Welcome to the Knowledge Entrepreneurs Show, where we celebrate the innovators driving change in the education industry. At Edison OS, we've worked with over 500 knowledge entrepreneurs to turn their edtech ideas into profitable businesses. In today's episode of the Knowledge Entrepreneur Show, we have Tracy Schroyer. Tracy, a dedicated advocate for talent development with a PhD in organization and management, specializing in leadership, focuses on crafting transformative learning experiences to drive organizational growth. She excels in aligning leadership and management training with strategic objectives, fosters leadership development, and champions change initiatives. Tracy's collaborative approach builds meaningful relationships with senior leaders and yields impactful talent-focused strategies. As a curriculum innovator, she designs resonant learning pathways. Tracy seeks connections with professionals and organizations sharing her commitment to excellence in strategic learning and leadership development. Hi, Tracy. Good evening. Welcome to the Knowledge Entrepreneur Show. Thank you so much for taking time out for being here with me today. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Uh, so, Tra- uh, Tracy, my first question, uh, what would you do now? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I do a lot of different things. Um, I'm, I will tell you just to kind of start out, uh, I've learned a lot more about my human design and what I'm, how I'm made up as a person. And it feels like it's given me a lot more permission to be who I am. So I um, work full time for a financial services company, been there 27 years. Um, the last probably seven to 10 years, I've focused more on learning and development for the organization. And currently I do that for, from a technology perspective. Uh, So helping to educate our engineers. And I also am an adjunct faculty member for a graduate program. And I love teaching. I love helping my students from that perspective and it's all virtual. And uh, then lastly, I'm an entrepreneur. So just in the last maybe two years, um, I launched my own business to really help people to enhance their interpersonal skills and their more from a professional development, career building perspective. Wow. How many hours do you work in a day? (laughs) A lot, a lot. I've been more intentional just in the last year or so to be present. I even got a bracelet with it engraved on it uh, to make sure that I'm spending time with family and friends too, and that I'm not just work, work, work all the time. Um, So I've become much better at time management and being efficient in what I'm doing. That's awesome. Tracy, uh, you know, you say you work for a company, you work for an organization, and then you are a faculty. Plus, Mm -hmm. you know, you also have your own entrepreneurial venture that's going on. First of all, um, you know, how did you, uh, you know, what's the mental setup that, you know, when you're working for another organization, it's considered taboo, you know, okay, you know, people are hesitant to kind of, you know, start something on their own when they're working for somebody else and stuff like that. Mm. How did you manage to do that? Uh, or, you know, what's the kind of communication that you have with the organization that you're working? Uh, if you can just walk us through a little bit of all that. Uh, sure. That'll be great. Yeah. Yeah. So um, when I started my own business, I knew that I couldn't really do exactly what I wanted to do, like in my full-time role and in the company I've been with for a really long time. Um, And so I thought if I want to create that kind of role and do these things, then I can do that on the side. And it's almost like you hear about left brain, right brain. It's almost like my full-time work fulfills me in one side of my brain, and then my business does in the other side, and I'm able to do that. And I have a lot more freedom in my business. I make the rules around what I'm doing, how often I'm doing it. 
you know, who my clients are, that type of thing. Um, it has been interesting. I would say even in the last six to nine months, a lot more people in my full-time job are recognizing me um, and what I'm doing in my business. Uh, so they're starting to ask questions. I'm advertising on like social media and uh, they're seeing me on LinkedIn all the time and starting to get really curious. Uh, so it has been better. I think in the beginning I was a little uncomfortable of feeling like it was a conflict of interest. Um, but now it really blends a lot. Like everything I focus on has to do with learning, um, whether it's your career or technology or whatever, whatever it is. So a lot of those skills are the same. So it just ends up being comfortable having those conversations across the board. Great. You said, uh, your full-time job with an organization that you're doing it with, it involves you training people. But of course, the topic on which you train there probably is different from what you do uh, with your business, right? But then uh, how is that? Do you think that experience of training or teaching in general has helped you with your business, even though the topics that you teach are different? I would say yes, because we look, the team that I manage in my full-time job, we look at learning strategy and more from an individual perspective and what kind of self-paced learning opportunities can we create for our engineers, architects, like anybody within our technology team. So a lot of things, uh, whether it's the strategy or the products that we end up creating and putting out there. Um, it also gives me ideas and kind of fuels some of the things that I can do outside of work. And it's, even though you may be using the same strategies, the same types of products, it's very much different because it's not from a technical aspect. Um, and that more technical training, learning, programming languages, like all of those types of things. Um, and I would say the thing that's interesting too, is I don't have a technology background, You know, my background is more from a learning perspective and a business perspective. Um, And in my entrepreneurial journey, I have the opportunity to use that learning strategy for those soft skills and that career development, which is so, you know, completely opposite from that technology aspect. Right. It is uh, opposite, but also, you know, uh, I think your full-time job also gives you all that credibility that you need as an entrepreneur, yes. right? Because yep. uh, you're doing something which you've been doing it for so many years. So you have a strong backing yep. to prove to yep. people or to show people that, you know, this is exactly what I've been doing. Plus I do right now also. Great, great. Absolutely. Uh, Tracy, uh, I'm just going to go, you know, I was just uh, reading about you on your website. And uh-huh. then, you know, uh, you talk about some extreme stuff like, you know, there's bankruptcy and then, mm-hmm. you know, you've kind of, you know, your journey has started from there and it's quite a shift. It's quite a growth. Can you walk us through, through your journey, you know, through all that and especially your mindset through all that? Sure, sure. Um, so I do mention on my website that I had gone through bankruptcy. Thankfully, that was a long, long time ago. Um, I learned so much through it, um, not only how to interact with people, um, but from finances and just getting myself organized um, and things like that. And um, it gave me, a, well, I'll say not just with that, but as we go further along, um, I also mentioned on their breast cancer. Um, So in 2020, just a couple months before the pandemic was announced, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And what I was able to do, and it's interesting because even after 
I was done with my surgeries, you know, I was going into more of a remission. Um, I talked to a therapist and I said, I'm really worried that I haven't dealt with, you know, all the emotions, all of the things, you know, with being diagnosed and going through this. And she started to ask me a little bit more about what I had done. Um, and I said, well, I recorded my journey and I have a whole YouTube playlist on as I went through um, all of, you know, all of the things that I did. And she asked me why I did that. And I said, because there wasn't much out there about it. And the stuff I was finding, everybody's journey is different. So, and I was able to watch two people on YouTube throughout my journey and kind of hear some of the things that could happen or, you know, what might be similar and what might not be. And she's like, you used, whether you consciously did it or not, she's like, you, that learning is so much a part of you. You did that to give back to others. And that was how you worked through the situation too. Like that was my own therapeutic way to, to handle it. So I feel like anything that's been thrown at me in life, yes, it's been hard and I've had to take a step back and, you know, take care of myself and kind of regroup, but it's also helped me to learn so much more, to help other people to learn so much more. Um, I actually, there's another story with my um, diagnosis. I had, I was looking to launch my business in 2019 and I had even talked to a photographer in, um, I think it was mid 2019 or so I talked to a photographer and I said, Hey, I want to do some brand photography, like get some marketing stuff together. She gave me the contract and everything. And I just felt like, you know, the timing's not right. And so I went back to her and I said, there's just something like, this isn't right. And it was like maybe three or four weeks later that I got my diagnosis. And I put my business on hold. I'm like, I have to, you know, you only have so much time in the day and everything. And so I put it on hold. I actually came back to her almost a year later after I went through all of my struggles and everything. And I said, I have more of a fire than I ever have before to be able to help people and to run this business and to put it out there. And so that's, you know, part of me launching my business and getting up and moving from there. So, yeah, those were two big things that I mentioned on there. Um, yeah. going through. Yep. Got it, Tracy. Yeah. Tracy, uh, you know, you when I asked you what you do, you said three things, right? One's your uh-huh. uh, corporate uh, journey, which is, you know, which is about 27 years. Yep. Um, and then you started uh, working as an adjunct faculty. So uh, I'm sure when you started off, you just started off with one job. Uh, yes. But uh, <laughs> how did uh, your second job start or under what circumstances? Like, uh, what led to you becoming an adjunct faculty and the circumstances surrounding it? So I will tell you that when I was um, with my company, I had actually wanted to, and I tried to for a long time to get into our human resources department and to get into learning and development. And I wanted to be a trainer for the longest time. You know, okay. when I... When I graduated high school, I wanted to be a high school teacher and I started making too much money in the business world. And I was like, I can't be a high school teacher like that would, you know, money wise that I couldn't do that. Um, So I thought I'll be a trainer, like a corporate trainer. And no matter how hard I tried, I want to say it was over seven or eight years. I interviewed for roles, different types of roles in HR, try to get my foot in the door, things like that. None of those ever worked out. And so I thought, okay, if I can't do this in my job just kind of like my business too. If I can't do some of these things in my job, well, how can I find something outside that would help 
me to use those skills and to learn and to grow and help other people. And so that's when I thought about teaching. And um, so it actually took me over two years and I want to say 30 or 40 applications for adjunct jobs uh, to finally land a role. Yes, it was very, very hard. Um, And so I landed a role there and that's been, I think it's been seven or eight years now that I've held an adjunct position in one form or fashion. Right, right, great. And uh, this thing that you had to do had no bearing on your existing job. So you were completely transparent with your organization about doing this. And it's a thing uh, in the US, is it? Yes. Yep. Okay, great. And uh, how many hours of this uh, faculty thing that you do takes, you know, for you per week? So that's another interesting question. it was, I can't remember when, it was in the last year at some point, my my husband and I were talking about the three different kind of roles that I hold. And he was saying, well, maybe you need to walk away from teaching so you can focus on your business more, you know, allocate right. that time. And right. he's like, you talk about time management all the time. He said, why don't you do a time audit on yourself and all the things <laughs> you do? I'm like, man, he's throwing it back at me. <laughs> so for just over two weeks, I did a time audit. And I kept track of how many hours in a day that I worked on my full-time job, Mm -hmm. uh, my teaching, and my entrepreneurship, you know, my business. And what I found out is that I had things down to a science with my teaching that Mm -hmm. I was working anywhere from four to six hours maybe a week. Like with grading, I was creating videos and got really efficient with leveraging those so I could reuse them if I taught that class again um, and sharing those with my students, checking in on our, you know, messenger, things like that. But I had gotten so efficient on it. I ended up, I was kind of worried because I thought, you know, maybe I do spend way too much time. And then we looked at it at the end and surprisingly it was like, well, it doesn't make sense to walk away from this because, you know, I've got it, like I said, down to a science um, to, to keep it where it is. Yeah. Great. So six hours and yeah, that should. Yeah. Great. And uh, what about the your entrepreneurial venture? You know, how much time do you spend there? So I will tell you that one is like a roller coaster. <laughs> it goes up and down. Yeah. Um, when I was doing that time audit, I was spending almost 40 hours a week on my business. Wow. Okay. And 40 to 45 hours a week working full time. So I was getting up in the morning, spending two hours, two and a half hours before work. On the weekends, I was spending a lot of time and investing a lot into building up pieces of my business. The nice thing is that I have the ability to either, you know, put the pedal to the metal and do a whole lot with my business, or I can kind of take my foot off a little bit and, you know, slow down depending on what's going on. Um, so that's been really nice that I've been able to do that. Great. And uh, your entrepreneurial venture, are you just one person doing it or do you have a team, Tracy? I am one person. Yep. It's even harder. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because there are like so many things to being an entrepreneur, right? I mean, yes. uh, one of the things that that's very common for somebody who's an entrepreneur uh, in a way that they teach is, yeah, they might be good in teaching, but that doesn't guarantee that they're good in all the other aspects of an entrepreneurship, right? 
Like yep. one of the first major things is sales. So talking about which, um, how how and what did you have to do to get your first client? Uh, oh my gosh, sales is not my specialty at all. Okay. Um, so one thing I did learn early on when I started my business, and I saw a lot of examples of others doing this, is getting coaches. Um, so getting business or entrepreneur coaches to help support right. me and and even trying to figure out if I didn't have the time or if I could use my time more wisely, like where could I try to outsource some of those things that I'm not so good at. Um, so I've tried a little bit of that. Um, like I hired a virtual assistant to help me with some things. We agreed it was a trial, didn't end up working out. So no hard feelings. Um, but I hired these coaches and they were able to help me. And I would say confidence was a big one coming out of the gate and making me realize like how credible and how knowledgeable I was and what I was offering to people. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times entrepreneurs say, who am I? And so a lot of these coaches were trying to get me to reframe my mindset of why not you? Like you have so much to offer. Right. And I was, right. that was so helpful. Um, so definitely hiring. And I still, to this day, um, I've stayed with my social media strategy coach and I think it's paying off because so many people recognize me on LinkedIn, especially from work or elsewhere. Um, and being able to, you know, put content out there consistently. Um, so I would, so sales was very, very hard for me, um, and figuring out what types of approaches work best for me. Um, because I didn't want to come across as that, like, sleazy sales car salesman <laughs> kind of approach um but but being open about it and then i also had to be comfortable if i got in and talked to somebody and offered them something that i did and they said no for one reason or another yeah. um so that's been a huge i've grown a lot just from that um cuz i met a client you know months ago where i felt like it would have been a perfect fit for the two of mm-hmm. us to work together mm-hmm. and then for some reason or another she wasn't able to and i kind of you know you had to bless and release that and you know the right person will come along and i've had plenty of other clients that i've worked with and they have you know valued and there's been impact in what they've gotten you know from what i've provided so it's definitely i would say it's not only a roller coaster of working on my business but also like the emotional like you know yeah. working in my business that kind of thing too so uh, from the day you started off, you know, your entrepreneurial venture, how long did you have to work around to land your first client, Tracy? Oh, that's a good question. I want to say it was only, it, it was a few months, maybe. Right. Um, one of the first things that I had done when I started out was to um, offer a workshop for business owners who wanted to create their own course. Mm-hmm. And so those business owners could come in for an eight week program and we met once a week. Um, I think I charged like $400 or something like that, which to me was like, that's a lot of money, you know, to, to put out there for a program. And um, so I ended up having two people that participated in that. Um, and one had to drop like halfway through, um, yeah. but she referred somebody else and they came into the program Um, so, and I would say one thing that I learned, um, and probably later than I should have was that 
even if you have one person buy your product or service, you should treat them just as you would treat like if you had a full like class or group. Um, And so even more recently, I I've had several failed launches on trying to get products or services out there and um, pushed one out. I had someone buy a three month membership and I remembered that. And so everything that I did during that three months, I ended up closing it down afterwards, kind of pausing it and saying, I don't know if we're going to continue this from here, but everything I did during that three months, I, you know, I, I gave her everything and more, probably even more than I would have given, you know, a whole group of people. Um, and she appreciated it and she, you know, she valued that. And I'm like, you are very lucky because if I would have done one-on-one, like the price is usually, you know, significantly higher. Um, so just keeping that in mind and working with people too. Great. Tracy, here's a devil's advocate kind of question for you, right? Uh-huh. So, uh, you said, uh, you know, you, uh, started a course, you know, where it's an eight-week program where, where mm-hmm. you were helping business owners create their course. Now, usually yep. I've come across people who do this kind of thing, you know, where they did that for themselves being a business owner. But uh, here's you, you know, who just started off your entrepreneurial venture, but uh, directly started, uh, you know, a program. So, uh, So what was the experience that you underwent that you thought, you know, you could draw from to do this particular thing to help other business owners? Oh, I would say the fact that I, I was creating my own courses and I had started to create my own courses. And even from like my full-time job and creating courses and going through that, you know, process, I knew I had that ability to do it. And I want to say I might have even gone through an exercise with a coach that was talking about how sometimes as entrepreneurs, we put so much pressure on ourselves to come up with this new and great product or service when we're doing things that are already like easily sold products and services. And so when I took a step back and looked at it, it's like, wait a minute. I've been creating these courses. I know the steps involved. I know some tips and best practices. I also had to realize I'm not the expert, but I'm a couple steps ahead of the people who, you know, will come in and pay for my services. Um, So I would say a lot of that is kind of thinking things that I take for granted that I would say are easy in my mind are not easy for other people. And being able to start realize what some of those are and put them into whether they're free or paid offerings for clients. Right. Great. And you said you are not doing that anymore, right? You you paused that particular program. Yeah. So the interesting thing was probably for the first year and a half that I started my business, I did a lot of throwing products and services against the wall to see what would work and what would stick. Um, And then kind of moving on, you know, trying one thing, pulling back, you know, doing something different. But one thing I learned from that, too, is I wasn't staying consistent in what I was offering. So people were thinking I was jumping around all the time or weren't sure what I was doing. Um, So even in the past probably five or six months, I'm really trying to lean back and be consistent and focus and 
you know, let people know. So still to this day, I'll have people say, oh, do you write resumes? Like, do you help people with that? And I'm like, yeah, like, I thought, you know, you think everybody knows. And even like my social media coach, she's like, just because you post it once doesn't mean everybody in the world has read it five times. Like you have to be consistent even in your marketing. Um, So I'm trying, um, although it's hard because I'm like always wanting to try or pilot or, you know, use innovative, try different things. Um, But definitely trying to be more consistent in what I'm offering only a few you know, maybe a couple offerings at a time putting out there um, and trying to get the word out so people know what that is. Got it, Tracy. Tracy, yeah. this is, this is you know, just to uh, kind of uh, help out and give some kind of a perspective to people who are just starting off, uh, you know, their entrepreneurial journey or ventures, you know. It's been about, mm-hmm. what, two to three years since you started off yours? Yep, yep, about right. two, a little over two years. Okay, yeah. Could you, uh, you know, walk us through the entire evolution of it? You know, like you said, you started off offering something and then, you know, you changed it. And then, you know, so what are the things that you had to do, undo, do, undo? And, you know, what are the moments that helped you kind of get a clarity? You know what? This is what I'm going to do now. Yeah. I don't know that I remember all of it because <laughs> it feels like a lot was packed in all of that. With the you know mindset, it's yeah. Uh, you don't have to, like get into the specifics of what changed and what not, but yeah, you know, uh, more about how and why rather than what exactly it was. Yeah, so I know in the beginning, um, I had the mindset of when I put something out there, like everybody is seeing it and everybody's going to freak out, and I was almost afraid when I started. I had the mindset of a fear of success, and like, what am I going to do if this takes off? Like, because I will have to rebalance my teaching, my full-time job. Like, you know, what if that happens? Um, Well, that doesn't happen overnight. Sorry to break it to entrepreneurs that might be listening. Um, But it definitely takes a long time to get things up and running. One thing that I learned early on was having a supportive coach or coaches and a community of people who are going through these similar things that I was as an entrepreneur. And the nice thing is in the groups of entrepreneurs, and there were a lot of female entrepreneur groups that I became a part of, um, I was also searching out for people who were working full-time so that were very similar to my story so I could learn how they balanced and start to you know figure out what I needed to do. Um, and also thinking about businesses that were somewhat similar to mine and what kinds of things that they were doing as well. I'm trying to think over time. I have, there's probably more times than I can count on my hand that I wanted to just quit doing my business. Didn't think it was worth it. Like, is it really like, I don't think the first five years of being an entrepreneur are about the money. (laughs) It's about the passion and getting out there and doing what you love. And I'm trying to figure out, is there an opportunity to turn that passion into something that, you know, I can grow and put out there and pay the bills with um, and be able to do that? Um, I'm trying to think of anything else throughout the journey. It was definitely hard to try to balance everything. And I would say with working full-time and teaching and especially the full-time job paying the house payment paying all those big bills um i had to lower the priority of things for my business 
right. if right. something like there was an emergency at work or or something needed done, I had to really look at the priorities of things. And so in a way that could have held me back, um, but I don't know that I had another option either. Yeah. Right. Tracy, you know, just like um, you thought multiple times, you know, you had a feeling that, you know, you just wanted to quit, right? Have there mm-hmm. been moments where you thought, you know what, probably my entrepreneurial venture is going to take off if I put more energy and focus? And uh, were there moments you thought, you know what, is this the time I quit my full-time job and probably, you know, uh, try here, you know, put all my bets here and then see if it takes off? Have there been moments like that? I have actually thought of that. Um yeah. I don't have a safety net. Um, My spouse is on disability. Like thinking about some of those things, I don't, I'm not, I don't have the risk appetite to be able to do that. I was, I would say to myself and even worked with one of my coaches of, okay, if my business gets to this point, like this amount of revenue and like I hit these milestones, then I can entertain the thought of if I wanted to walk away from my job, haven't gotten there when I've looked at those milestones. So kind of to me, it's like until I can, you know, lay out and what are these milestones? One of the things that I was thinking about and I talked to a coach at one point, I was like, you know what, in X number of years, I'm going to be able to like pay off my student loans or walk away from my full-time job. And then I would miss the first month or the first quarter of goals that I had. And I would beat myself up over it. And then I talked to somebody else, even this year, another coach. And I said, I just, I don't know that I'll ever be able to make it there. You know, I keep missing the the goalpost. And she's like, does there have to be a time frame? Do you have to say that it has to happen in two years? And she goes, what, what's the purpose of that? And I was like, I guess I don't have to give a time frame. It's more of my comfort level. And even just that conversation, it's almost like my shoulders relax. Yeah, I got more comfortable with the idea and just more comfortable with my business and not so stressed out by it. Because if you stay consistently stressed out by your business, it's not going to make you happy. It's not going to be something that you want to do. Yeah. So, yeah. Great. Uh, you know what? Um, thank you so much for sharing this because uh, sometimes... Um, you know, entrepreneurship is not about, you know, quitting stuff that you do uh, mm-hmm. because it eventually boils down to your basic needs, you know, uh, the way you've prioritized, despite, you know, knowing that these are your passions and stuff like that. You know, for a fact that, okay, you know what, this is my basic stuff. Only if this goes right, this exists. So yeah. without that, even the little thing that you're doing, which may not be successful, even that's not going to exist. So mm-hmm. that's exactly the perspective I thought, you know, I'll get from you. And thank you for sharing this exact thing. Because I'm yeah. sure there are a lot of people who have conversed with, you know, have juggled two things at the same time for them mm-hmm. to finally be able to kind of, you know, do one thing full time. Yep. Uh, Tracy, uh, another very important thing that you've spoken about is having someone to, you know, talk to you about, you know, business coaches and mindset coaches and so on and so forth, right? Uh, especially yep. when you started off your entrepreneurial venture, when I spoke to you about the first sale, you spoke about coaches that you had. Now, yep. uh, how important is it to, because there are a lot of coaches out there, right? Like how important yes. 
or you know what are the best practices that one needs to kind of follow while selecting a coach sometimes there's a lot of money that you're paying oh yes the money there's a lot of time that you spend and there's a lot of yep. mindset you're consuming from the coaches right so yep. uh, what would you say about how do people in your position go about choosing these coaches or coach? yeah that's interesting that you asked that too because I was just talking with one of our at my full-time job one of our interns and she's in college and she was thinking like maybe I'll become an entrepreneur and she was asking me questions she goes I didn't even know there were coaches like just the whole concept of that and I was like oh yeah at one point I had a social media I had a sales coach I had a systems related coach and um, I would say definitely it is very it can be very expensive Um And what I had mentioned to her was that when you go to look at getting a potential coach, you really have to prioritize what you need that support with the most in your business. Um, So if it's setting up your systems or if the sales is the most important thing or the visibility and getting out there, um, figuring out, you know, who that coach or what opportunities there are out there. All of the coaches that I have worked with have offered free challenges, free resources, like all of that kind of thing. And then they've had up level of, you know, you get into different programs or different groups and you might pay, you know, different amounts based on what that is. Uh, And what I did is for most of them, maybe not early on, but, you know, as I got further into my business, I made sure I paid attention to the coaches that were out there in the areas that I felt like I needed. And I watched them and I, maybe I was that silent lurker, that stalker on social media, but I watched them and I listened to them. And then I started to slowly participate in the challenges that they had, or if they did a webinar and those kind of things to see if I vibed with them. Um, There was one coach that I, I listened to for about a year, a little over a year. And at first I was thrown off. She dropped the F-bomb, like, she just, her language was very different from mine and what I'm I'm comfortable with. Um, But after a year of listening to her, and I continued to be, like, mesmerized, just like when she would come on live or something and listen to her, I enrolled in her biggest program. Uh, And I got so much out of it. I made so many connections. Um, She helped to build my confidence. Um... And so I stayed in her program for a little over a year. Um, And then I realized I had different needs for different parts of my business and, you know, decided to go to another coach. But definitely being able to see that you will vibe with that coach and taking advantage of what free items that they offer. Um, Most coaches will, even if you wanted to do like a 20 minute, 15 minute, like, you know, pick my brain, Q&A, something like that. They would be open to that or they might have a free group or something like that. Um, But definitely checking them out before you start to invest and knowing that most of these business coaches have, you know, from free to high ticket offerings and that you could, you know, leverage any of those services that they have. Great, great. Thank you. And, yeah. uh, you know, one of the things that I uh, saw, you know, as your offer is branding for mid-level professionals, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the reason I want to talk about this is when you're a professional, uh, be it, you know, working for someone or, you know, uh, be it as a business or a service that you do, 
your work already, there's so much that could speak for you. But today, with social media and stuff like that, there's something called as branding. Uh, mm-hmm. How much of a difference can branding uh, do or how essential it is uh, today, uh, Tracy, uh, in your view? Is it I would say it's... Yeah, for mid-level professionals, I would say it's critical. One of the first things that I do, like even as a mid-level professional, if I go to a conference or I meet a vendor, anything like that for my full-time job, I'm looking at LinkedIn and trying to connect with them right away. And so like even if you don't have your picture, like a nice picture on LinkedIn on your profile, or you don't have some of the stuff filled out on there, like that's all part of your branding. And for being able to people to build those relationships and network with you Um, and not just creating your profile and then walking away, but engaging with other people because most of the times, like if there's a position that comes open, whether it's in your own company or another company and you go to post for it, you don't want to be finding out about the other person, their company, like the job at the moment that the job is out there. You know, you should have that insight and build those relationships before a job even appears. And so your branding really helps you to do that and to stand out and to help people think of you when they're thinking about the topic or, you know, whatever area of focus that you have that you come to mind and for them to be able to find you. Got it. So sometimes branding can be as simple as uh, making connections on LinkedIn and um when, especially when you're meeting someone in person, just translate mm-hmm. that whole thing into a digital experience as well immediately. Yep. And for people, you know, who work from home, uh, they don't even have an opportunity to meet people that they connect with on LinkedIn. So if you are in real life yeah. connecting with somebody, it's a no-brainer that you immediately go and, you know, probably connect with them on LinkedIn because that right. connection becomes so much more meaningful when you then have to kind of interact without that physical connection. Yeah. And I would say too, in the virtual space, um, I, and I hope, I believe people got more comfortable with this through uh, the pandemic, but not being afraid to get on camera. And like, I work from home fully, I'm fully remote from my full-time job. And there was a period of time where it was sweatpants and a t-shirt and like, I throw my hair up in a messy bun and like sit and do my work. But I realized, and one of my managers had taught me this is she would get up every day in the pandemic, do her hair, do her makeup, like dress very nicely and sit in front of the computer and work. And she was like, it makes a difference of how you feel and how you act. And so I started to do that. I can't say now I do it every day. But I do definitely notice that there's a difference and I'm not as afraid to turn on my camera when I am in a meeting and be able to talk to people because there's so much of a difference. And there's a lot of research around this, too, of the face to face versus just, you know, the audio piece of it and what a difference that makes. So that goes with your branding big time, too. Absolutely. The least you can do when you cannot meet somebody in person is if you're doing it virtual please have your videos on, right? Makes yep. so much of a difference. Yep. Yeah. Right. Uh, yep. Tracy, um, while I was, you know, uh, looking at your website, I saw that you've got a couple of uh, courses that you have on for people, mm-hmm. right? One is about uh, resume, one is about the LinkedIn, but it's not about what the course is, right? My question is coming mm-hmm. from a point of view that 
could you now there are two things um in your entrepreneurial venture one is where you sell your time mm-hmm. uh, or you know offer your time which is one way and yep. then you know you've got your product in the form of a course right yep. uh, so what happened first uh, did the coaching uh, where you can offer your time first happen and then uh, followed by course or was it vice versa you know early on when i mentioned the 8 week program so that was my time um, but I quickly switched over to uh, more of the products, so the courses, uh, checklists, things like that. And one of the reasons for that was just time. And right. there was a right. point, it was during the 2020 that I also went from teaching undergraduate to teaching in a graduate program. So that took more time. I was in a new school, I was in a new program, and so getting used to that. So for me to balance, you know, I always talk about spinning the plates and putting those up. And for me to kind of rebalance those plates, I was able to turn to more of these passive products and what can I put out there. Um, Now I'm seeing the value of more one-on-one, more connection. Um, I have a lot of people come to me asking for, um, I thought people would want a course on resume writing, which I have out there. They want you to do it for them <laughs> uh, or they want to talk to you about how do they switch to a different type of role. They're not happy in their role. You know, how do they figure out what they want to do, that kind of thing. So I am starting to, I haven't formally rolled it out. It's on my website um, now, but I'm looking at a career counseling chat um, yes. so that they can pay a monthly fee and I'm available and, you know, they could put a couple chats in there, text chats, and, you know, I help them you know, figure out their journey and if they want to figure out their strategy, like that kind of thing. Um, but I've definitely noticed that they're more, people want that one-on-one connection and they don't want to be in a group talking about their career and mm-hmm. where they want to go and what they want to do, which I totally get that. Great. So yeah. the more personal something is, they prefer a one-on-one sort of setting. That's what I'm seeing for sure. Yep. Great, yeah. Great. Uh, because, yeah, talking about your career and your job prospects and stuff like that in a group can be, you know, a little overwhelming for some people. Great. Mm-hmm. So you're saying that, you know, even though you put, you created your courses, you're saying that uh, for the kind of courses that you have, people prefer, as you said, they want you to build out their resume or at least get on a yep. call and then, you know, kind of do it together sort of a thing. Got it. Yep. But um, fine. But when it... I still have a few questions about your courses. Mm-hmm. Right? So um, could you, for people, you know, who are just thinking of creating a course and who've been thinking about it for a long time and haven't done a thing, um, yeah. just building something can build so much momentum for them, right? So yes. what, are, uh, what are your courses? I mean, uh, how do you build your course? Is it like a screen sharing and a voiceover sort of a thing? Or do you come in front of the camera? And so how did that... and what are the factors you took into consideration before choosing the format of your courses? Oh, that's a good question. So I'm actually thinking about changing um, not so much the format, but the placement of my courses. Um, So what I had done initially and what I have out there now is on my own platform, um, people can go into my portal and I have where I did, I don't think you see my face on them, but I had done a screen share Um, So one is a PowerPoint, the other one is more of a demo kind of how-to, and walk through and then figured out where the natural breaks are so that you have different modules or different sections and things like that. 
Um, I also coupled those with maybe there was a one-page checklist or maybe there was a template um, or examples or a, a workbook, you know, things like that. So I always had something packaged with it. One thing that I realize um, is I was able to sell some of those. What's been interesting is with one of my courses is I sold more of, uh, I have a leveraging LinkedIn course. I sold more of that course when I did a one week masterclass. And what I did with that masterclass is I had a group and that group every day I would come on live and I would it was almost like the recording that I had put in, but it was the fact that people were there live with me. They could ask questions if they wanted, or they could come back later in the group and ask questions. So that interaction was still a big thing uh, for that. Um, But one thing that I've been thinking about with the courses that I have out there is I created them in my own platform and I pushed them out. But the challenge with that is that you also have to be that primary marketing source to drive people to that. And that's been a little bit more challenging for me. I'm not the salesperson. Um, Time is not on my side to try to do these things. Um, So actually exploring things like Udemy um, and other platforms where I could tweak and make changes and they're due for, you know, small updates anyway, that I can tweak and make some changes and put them on the Udemy platform or another platform. I'm kind of exploring what options are out there. And they also help me do some of the marketing too. And I also think that when I would go to create visibility or like put something on social media, if somebody sees that my course is on Udemy, there could be a little bit more credibility to that versus, I don't know what this course is or, you know, how it's mm. organized. I, you know, people expect a certain thing when they go into platforms like Udemy or something else to be on there. So definitely a iteration as I've gone and realization over time. But I think you're never going to put out a product or a service and it's going to stay the same for years on end. Like, I don't know that that would be, you know, in some instances, maybe that's a good thing and that's profitable, but I think it's good for me as an entrepreneur and my audience to get the best that I have to offer and for me to make those tweaks and changes over time. Great. So let's take your uh, leveraging LinkedIn course, right? So you're saying that you Mm -hmm. created that course first and Mm -hmm. then uh, while figuring out how to sell is when you kind of, you know, started doing this masterclass um, where you sort of went live. But the thing Mm -hmm. is, uh you gave away pretty much all of the content as part of that course in your live interactions mm-hmm. yes while still ending up selling the same thing as a course as well uh yep. so the masterclass a was a paid time. offering all oh, right the masterclass okay. wasn't free yeah yep i did a disc okay. a little bit of a discount but i did make money okay. off of it yeah and the course was just like a part of the masterclass like a giveaway you didn't I was it. actually recreating the course as okay. the masterclass. Um, I I wasn't selling it separate. Um, people still have access got to the it. group that they got were it, in, it, so they it. could still access okay. all the content and materials. Yeah. Okay. You meant to say yeah. that uh, the same thing, that the same content, same information and knowledge that you uh, put together as your course uh, sold yep. better as a masterclass. That's what you're trying to say. Yes. Format, and people okay. wanted it that real time, real time versus, right. hey, I bought this course. I have to go into this portal and right. the likelihood that you'll never touch it again. You know, the likelihood is slim. Like I even 
got a free course from another coach. It's still sitting in my inbox. <laughs> I haven't clicked on the link and it's been a few weeks. But nice. it's like if that if there was a certain time that I had to be there and listen, and if I was interested in enough, you know, I probably would have gone and listened to it. But it's just sitting in my inbox. Got you, Stacey. Yeah. Can I think you, we all uh, do talk it. about sorry? I think we all do that. Yeah, <laughs> to yeah, some yeah. degree or another, right? We buy stuff yeah. and never touch it. Yeah. See, when there is another human being in front of you who's doing something rather than just, you know, giving away a course that you do it on your own. I think yep. people are gonna choose the first one, right? I mean right. nothing better than a live interaction with somebody yes. real. So I think that's a takeaway. But uh, how did you uh, manage to put together this masterclass from a marketing point of view? And uh, uh, how did you solve it from a logistical point of view? Um, So with the masterclass for marketing, I made sure that I was leveraging my email list. Um, I would say a big portion of the people who participated in the masterclass were on my email list already. Um, And it wasn't just emailing them once. It was you know, sending several reminders. Uh, One thing my social media coach says is um, to like, you're, when you're trying to sell an offer, like you should be so sick of hearing yourself talk about it. And that's when you know that you've probably maybe even still not done enough. Um, But, and you know, every time there's a new person picking it up or, or listening. And I felt like that too with my email marketing. Like when I was marketing that masterclass, it would be like, you know, the third time I send it out a few weeks later, getting ready for the launch, somebody would email me back and be like, oh, well, tell me about this or how do I do this? Right. Um, I want to say I did quite a few more different things on video. Um, so when I did social media, Um, not just doing static posts, but putting up some reels or putting up video, just talking about the course, um, the benefits that it could have, um, you know, the, the couple of people that had taken the, the static course itself, you know, what they got out of it, like those kinds of things were really, really helpful. So I'm guessing, and now that I'm thinking about it, I did a lot more marketing for the masterclass. And maybe that was the teacher trainer in me that was more excited to be able to like, you know, get in front and work with a group of people. And that came out in my marketing too. Great. Yeah. And you said, you know, now when you talk about email lists, right, there are so many things Mm -hmm. now, especially for the people who are listening. Now, email lists, where do they come from? They come from your social media presence. Now, where does social media presence come from? It starts from zero somewhere, right? Yeah. And uh, so... Can you just, so what comes first? So especially given that, you know, you had a social media coach, uh, uh-huh. which, you know, is a probably a good thing that you did, did for yourself. So when you were zero yep. in social media, what was your mm-hmm. journey like from zero to what you are now? You know, where you, you, yeah. Yeah. So I would say, yeah, your social media comes first and then you start to build up your email list because that's where a lot of people are going to come from. Um, one thing I learned too, to help me with my email list was to have a freebie so that I could even advertise to people to say, Hey, you know, and right now I have a, um, the mid-level professionals guide to, I can't remember the name of it, like to slay in the workplace or something like that. Um, and it's chock full of information, like Mm. every probably six months to a year, if not more often, I'll create a different freebie. 
so it doesn't be, you know, it's not stale put out there. Um, so I'll advertise, you know, every once in a while, maybe once a week, I'll say, you know, have a static post or do a video about, you know, hey, I have this, this is a part of it, this is what's in it. If you want a copy, go to my website, you know, all you have to do is put your email address in and you'll get that. Um, I think one of the hardest things with an email address, just from my perspective as an entrepreneur, is um, trying to send out regular emails. Um, there's a lot of friends of mine that are entrepreneurs that have built up their email list. I even have a friend that had, I think she had over like 1500 or 2000 people on her email list. I was like, that's amazing. And she's like, I haven't emailed them in like six months. (laughs) I'm like, Oh, like you have to do something with it once you have it. Um, and for me that got to be really difficult and I still struggle with it a little bit. Um, One of the things I heard somebody mentioned um, in an entrepreneur circle was batching. And I did try it for a couple months. And the whole concept of batching, I sat down maybe on one Saturday and I wrote out and you don't, they don't have to be novels. They don't have to be long. It can be a short, almost like copying a post that you have. But I created and I scheduled an email for every Monday of the month. And so I didn't even have to think about it until the next month. Um, there's other things. And like with my posts, I schedule a lot of things. I have them reoccurring, but I also make it so it's not like everything is scheduled and that as I'm living my life, as things come up, like I'm getting on social media and I'm, you know, creating a post, putting things out there. Um, a lot of people were asking me like, how are you on social media all the time? I was a little bit worried too, for anybody who's listening, who's an entrepreneur, wants to be an entrepreneur and working a full-time job. One thing I was worried about was I will schedule posts during the workday. And I'm like, oh, people are going to be like, why aren't you working? Why are you doing this? So a lot of people were like, you're on social media all the time. And I was like, it's time management. Like I'm very, very efficient. And I was like, a majority of my posts are scheduled and you'll see those out there. But most of the time, the the platforms that we post on, there's a lag in the time that people see them. They might not see them until later on in the evening, a couple mm-hmm. days later, like things mm-hmm. like that. So I think I was more worried about that than I really had to be. Um, but making sure I had that presence and that's helped me to grow. Um, but also knowing that your email list alone is not your only marketing tool. Um, there are still people that are on social media that like that talk to me about my posts, but have never liked or commented, which I gave them permission. I said, you're allowed to. Um, and that's fine if they don't want to. Um, but they're only going to see something because of something I post. And maybe they're not comfortable right. putting an email. Maybe they don't check their email. So you definitely have to have like a multifaceted um, strategy of how you're you know, bringing in your clients or potential clients. Got it, Tracy. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. So, uh, Tracy, uh, what we'll do now is um, there are a lot of questions for me, but, uh, you know, at least about I can think of, you know, five to six questions. But these we can can we do this in a, uh, you know, in a way where we can just, you know, use it as reels directly or my distribution team can just make perusals out of this. Yeah, definitely. That's like a listicle. Or, you know, something that's, yep. that involves numbers, some something yep. that are definitive, you know, which will kind of um, draw people to the yep. posts, which are like actionable. Great. So we okay. can probably get started with the three questions that I emailed you. 
Okay. Um, you can you can just you know these can be very concise and crisp uh, okay. within say thirty to sixty seconds. Okay. And then uh, from our conversation, I've got a bunch of more questions that we can go uh, one by one. So okay. uh, every time you're ready to answer a question. Uh, just mm-hmm. let me know. I just have to make one click here. I just have to mark the clip so that it becomes easier for okay. my editor to kind of identify the points. Okay. Um, so here, the first one is, you know, can you walk us through three pivotal moments where challenges like bankruptcy, corporate climbs, and health battles fueled your journey to success? Is that a question that you'd, you're you okay to take and answer? Do you want some time to think about it? Or is uh... that too heavy a question to kind of, you know... I can think of two major things for me. Sure, it doesn't have to be. Is that okay? Okay. Totally. I can rephrase the question. Or, you know, you can uh, start off by talking, you know, uh, two things. And you can just go with the answer. So that it's easier for us to, you know, put it as a reel or, you know, a content piece in itself. Okay. So, yeah. Whenever you're ready, let me know. I'll give you a thumbs up and you can start. Okay. So when I talk to these, am I just giving you, like... A quick sentence for, like, two things that challenged me in my journey are X and X. And, like, that's all you want. Yeah, and, okay. Uh, I think here, uh, where challenges, like, yeah, moments where challenges, like, all those things fuel your journey to success. So, uh, we're looking probably, okay. you know, a solution sort of a thing, not the challenge itself. Because... Um, yeah, you can share your challenges, but if you share your challenges, then you'll have to, most important thing is like how you overcame them. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's what we, okay. Okay. I'm ready for that one. So two challenges that I had along my journey that challenged me, but that made me realize some things are I stepped out of management at one point in my career and I battled breast cancer and both of those fueled my fire to drive my business and to be successful. Great. Thank you. Is that you. too long? <laughs> no, no, that's good. That's good. Okay. Uh, we can, okay. We can do these. Uh, okay, uh, Tracy, it's very interesting that you spoke about uh, stepping out of management uh, thing, right? Yeah. Uh, wow. Um, that's a very interesting topic. So um, I should put that on my website, too. <laughs> yeah. Can you now, uh, you know, I'm just having an ad hoc thought of a quantity. Yeah. Here. Can you like share any number, like, you know, whatever number you get, just say, okay, here are three reasons why I decided to step out of management. Oh, uh, okay. Let me think about it for just a second. Yeah. Please take your time. And when you have, you know, like two reasons or three reasons, just start off by saying that here are three reasons why I stepped out of my management. I don't know why I can only think of two for some of these things. <laughs> That's totally fine. Yeah. Is that good? Okay. Totally good. Yeah. So two reasons I decided to step out of management over a decade ago was one, my mental health was way more important than any type of job role. And two, it wasn't the direction I wanted to go in my career. So I had to take a step back and reconsider where I wanted to go. Great. Thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, Also, uh, when I was, you know, going through your write-up on your website, that's how Mm -hmm. I... Uh, you know, came up with this question about, you know, maintaining a curious mindset and keep learning, right? Mm -hmm. So now uh, people may not understand, okay, you know, what is a curious mindset or how to maintain one? So if you can, you know, give 
a list of actionable steps on, you know, doing that and stuff. That'll be fine. And again, you know, you can think of how many ever that comes to your mind and you can start off by saying that, you know, three things that you can do to be curious and stuff like that. Okay. Uh, hold on just a second. Sure, take your time. All right, I'm ready. So here are four steps that you can take to have a more curious mindset. So number one, ask questions. Number two, be open to learning. Number three, build relationships with others. And number four, don't be afraid to step outside of your comfort zone. Great. And yeah, uh, the third question is about any number of tips uh, that mm-hmm. mid-level professionals can use to amplify their brand and skyrocket their interpersonal skills. Okay. Well, it's five there, but you know you can go with how many. Yeah. You want. Yep. So here are four tips that mid-level professionals can use to amplify their brand and skyrocket their careers. Number one, get comfortable getting uncomfortable. Number two, network, network, network. And number three, update your LinkedIn. Don't forget the profile picture. And number four, teach others. Awesome. Okay, uh, Tracy, some of the questions that I have, right? Uh, let's do mm-hmm. some numbers. Like, for example, uh, you're on, uh, what social media is the most important for you right now? Like, is it Instagram or is it LinkedIn? Or, you know, what is it? It would be LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Yeah. Okay. Well, LinkedIn so, and Facebook <laughs> for me are both. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Okay. okay. So LinkedIn, right? So mm-hmm. uh, let's say from the time you had your social media coach, and you mm-hmm. had the social media coach for LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Uh, my social media coach, like she did some on LinkedIn. Um, okay. It was really all platforms. All platforms. Okay. Let's say um, if you can, you know, remember the approximate numbers, let's say at the point of view, getting your social media coach, let's say you were a zero, right? Zero followers mm-hmm. or whatever. At this yep. point, you'd be a certain number, right? If you can yep. say, uh, these are the three things that I did to grow my social media from zero to so much. Okay. Because uh, what we found is instead of asking people to do it, just sharing what you did to grow yours, yep. it's so much more influencing. And, you know, yeah. that's when people are going to come, hey, um, I saw a reel, you know, where you said this. Can you help me do that? So we're, that's where we're coming from. Right. And I'm trying to pull up an Excel sheet because sure, sure. we time. actually used to keep track of our our stuff do you want me to say specifically any like platform or just social media in general specific platform would be better okay you can choose whichever you know i these okay. are the things i did to grow my linkedin from so and so or my instagram okay. so and so my facebook so and so okay okay i have two different ones i can do for linkedin well, great you ready So I grew my LinkedIn business followers by over 900% in a two-year period. And these are three things I did to do that. I got visible. I got on video and did live streams more. And then I was also very active and participated in groups and comments, messaging, all of that type of thing. And uh, you get maximum 
business from LinkedIn more than Facebook, Tracy? Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Yep. Let me actually look because I might be able to. Sure. Oh, I could do Facebook. I grew my connections by over 300% in a two-year period. Okay. Okay. I grew my Facebook connections by over 300% in a two-year period. And these are three things I did to do that. One was I got really vulnerable. Two, I took risks. And three, I was consistent in my posting. Awesome. Great. Great, Tracy. Um, I think I, I, I think we're good. Is there anything else that you think that you have uh, can help you with your, you know, marketing or, you know, something that you've been thinking of putting out? Feel free to come up with ideas and we can record those as well. Okay. So from my side, okay. I think um, I'm good. But if you want okay. to uh, add anything to this, we can do that now. Okay. What's the time frame like when the podcast will come out and so the audio like version that. will will release in say about 10 days and oh, uh, this quick. format that i'm doing now right uh, I, I, uh-huh. I just started it yesterday uh so even though we've done 80 podcast recordings mm-hmm. only after our distribution team came to the picture we got a lot of perspective about you know creating these types of contents that i'm doing with you right now because, okay um Yes, uh, we can interpret and make a lot of carousals, but when the guest is very definitive about what they have to say, it makes it so much more effective for us to, you know, go out there and post that thing. Right. Uh, right. Yeah, there's a little bit of a virality factor uh, that comes yep. to a reel when you say when it's a listicle thing or, you know, when you say numbers and stuff like that. Yep. So that's what we're yep. focusing. So uh, yep. so what I, the reason I'm telling you all this is in 10 days, we'll be putting out audio and... Okay. Uh, we start promoting uh, this by putting various posts on social media. And uh, that'll happen, say, two weeks from now. We'll start doing that. Two okay. Two weeks. Yeah. Okay. And do you tag me or do I need to make yeah, sure yeah, yeah. that I'm following? Okay. We will tag you. We will tag you. Uh, okay. Even if you put on our Instagram channel, uh, you know, uh-huh. uh, I, will, I will share you an email with everything. Right? Okay. Uh, we can right. do, you know, in Instagram, you have an option to kind of, you post together, right? Edison OS and right. AC post together. So we yes, can yes. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Let me know if you need anything else or any questions or anything like that. Happy to help. Um, if you can just send, uh, no, I think I have everything. I'm sorry. This is the usual okay. thing because since I have your website, uh, yeah. usually we need pictures and, you know, write-ups. But we can put uh-huh. everything from your website, and I can use ChatGPT yep. to kind of modify and use it from a third-person yep. point. Of I view. love ChatGPT. <laughs> Great yeah. to spur yeah. ideas and all that kind of stuff, and help writing. <laughs> yeah, Great. so awesome. Great, Stacy. Uh, thank you so much for your time. Uh, this yeah, like, thank you. You, know, you, you've got such an amazing journey. You know, such an inspiring journey. And, I appreciate uh, that. Thank you so much for sharing all that with us. And I wish you all thank the very you. best uh, in your journey forward. And Thank uh, you. Um, yeah. This podcast is brought to you by Edison OS, a no-code edtech platform to operate an online education business. Knowledge entrepreneurs can use Edison OS to sell online courses from their own websites, manage online masterclasses, launch mobile learning apps, 
sell online practice tests for competitive exams, run online learning communities, digitizing their offline tutoring business, use it as a learning management system, and a lot more cases in the domain of knowledge commerce.